This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go. One-handed catch and a touchdown. Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealou, Paul Calvisi, and 13-year NFL veteran Drew Stanton. And stress the word veteran when you talk about Drew Stanton because as I look across from me and see Paul Calvisi, who I kind of do not recognize, which we'll get into momentarily, but I have seen Paul in the last several weeks and months. The gentleman to my right, however, Drew Stanton, has not been seen in this building. I had to go back and look, Drew. May 16th, the last time you appeared on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. So like any good veteran, you report to work when you're required to report to work. And today is report day for rookies and veterans of the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, but I'm completely out of shape. So. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll see how it goes. But it, it was, it's been a great summer um, to be able to get out of here. And everybody's excited for football season. I mean, I think that there's excitement around this organization, uh, a change of direction, and to be able to see – a lot of question marks get answered because this is the beginning of, of what everybody's looking for and guys are back in the building, there's excitement and there's always optimism. And all 32 teams are starting on a level playing field at 0-0 zero and zero, and what can they do from now until that first game to get prepared. Drew's just thankful he's not subject to the conditioning test anymore. They agree. And uh, I know we're all thankful that uh, there's climate control at State Farm Stadium, considering this has now become the hottest month in Phoenix history, period. Yeah, well, I actually uh, I didn't have to do the conditioning test. If we're going to be completely honest. I, I Quarterbacks exempt? Quarterback, Come on, quarterbacks really? Quarterbacks weren't exempt. There was a caveat to it. If you showed up early for quarterback school, which was required, you didn't report with everybody else. So we had a soft opening here at the facility with BA of quarterback school. So we were already two, three days into training camp. So I luckily never had to run those. And I think I commented on this last year when Buddy Morris was a strength coach here. It was his least favorite day of the year. He was completely stressed out of like, I don't want some guy pulling a hamstring. I don't want a groin. I want this. And 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 we've also talked about these savvy vets that come in and be like, ah, oh, my hamstring's a little tight after that run right. test. You know, I, yeah. I'm going to ease my way into camp here. Oh, my groin's a little yeah. tight or something. Yeah. You know, ah, this JJ Watt. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I, you said it, not yep. me. Mm-hmm. So again, but that's the way that it goes because there is a long play here. And so, so conditioning tests, thank God, because when I had to do them back in the day, they would stress you out. You'd be sitting there saying, okay, uh, and everybody does it a little bit differently. Luckily, Buddy was like, I just want to get it over with. I want to make sure everybody can do it. And half the time, B.A. blew up the whistle, and he was like, ah, whatever, I've seen enough. Let's go play football. <laughs> I don't know about the conditioning test under head coach Jonathan Gannon. I do know as we speak, it is media day here at the Dignity Health Arizona Cardinals Training Center. Let's just get this right out of the way. Yes, Buda Baker is in the building and is participating. The big question, though, as this team will hold its first practice on Wednesday, first open practice on Thursday at State Farm Stadium. We all want to know when you talk about questions, Drew, the big question, well, there's several ones, but when you talk about Buddha, he's here. 
but when we see him on Wednesday at practice, is he on the field or is he on the sidelines? It's a good question. Uh, I, you know what? I, I think Buddha knows the answer to that question, and they probably know within the organization of saying, hey, you, I've been around guys that are going to sit there and be like, okay, I'm not going back out on that practice field until I feel like I'm being compensated. And he's come out and, and been very forthright of saying, I deserve to be a centerpiece of this organization. You say I'm going to do this. Obviously, we saw on Hard Knocks how much he played through, what he means to this team. All of those things, those things matter within the locker room, and you're starting to see a lot of guys with the same mindset. You're looking at Chris Jones saying, okay, he wants to get paid. He wants to do all these things. And these guys that are just a cut above everybody else, rightfully so, are the few people that have the power to do that. So, you know, there's a lot in transition within this organization. Uh, The first thing I would do is make sure that my marquee players are happy and content and feel good and have the right attitude every time they step foot in this building. Under contract for for two more years, and I think, Paul, until we actually hear from Buddha himself, he has posted a lot on social media. In fact, posted earlier on Tuesday on his Instagram account from the Cardinals locker room. Didn't sound like someone who did not want to be here, and that is all in. We know Buddha Baker the player. We also know Buddha Baker the person, and it would be hard for me to see number three, if healthy, stand and watch while his teammates go to work. Mandatory minicamp, that's, that's exactly what he did. What he yeah. did. So I'm guessing it's going to be more of the same. It'll be the hold-in that we saw last year with Marcus Golden, maybe DJ Humphreys. It's uh, sort of the norm right now in the NFL. Not many guys are missing. Yeah, Chris Jones, subject to that $50,000 a day fine, not many guys are willing to do that. They show up, they just might not end up on, on that field. We were doing a show the other day, and there was a malaprop. Instead of non-contact injury, it was non-contract. It came out. <laughs> So I'm going to use that for Buda Baker, non-contract injury, uh, at least not the contract that he seeks and desires, which we all presume is the guaranteed money, which he has none left. So, okay, there are guys who are part of the problem. There are guys who are part of the solution. He's most definitely part of the solution. He's also one of those guys I call it BYOC, bring your own culture. He's his own culture. He comes in. He's the example to everybody else. So at some point, the deal will be done. I'm pretty confident of that. Does Buda Baker need training camp? If there's one guy who's an all-pro, doesn't need every single moment of every day at training camp, it's Buda Baker. Until I see otherwise, I'm confident it'll get resolved and he'll have a great season. And the first couple of days of training camp are no different than OTAs and minicamp. The first padded practice that's allowed under the CBA will be Monday, July 31st. So that's the next date, if you will, when you talk about training camp. That is really football as opposed to what we see outside during the offseason. Now you bring up the contract. How about this? Good news for the Cardinals when it comes to contracts. The entire 2023 draft class is signed. Second round pick B.J. Ojolari, the last one to put his name on that line. He did so on Monday, signing a four-year contract. Someone that the Cardinals, I think, are counting on not only this season, but years to come. That edge rusher from the outside out of LSU, Ojolari, on what he hopes to bring to the Cardinals. Definitely a guy who's a natural pass rusher, can bend the edge, use speed to power, uh, great speed rushes, can also understand drops, get into drops uh, in zones and be used in coverage as well. Uh, definitely great with movement uh, along the line to create, you know, TFLs and uh, really just a high motor player. Eight and a half tackles for loss, five and a half sacks, and Paul, there is certainly a need at that position. But when you talk about just getting that entire draft class signed, 
that's basically across the board now, and sometimes it does go up until training camp or a day or two, but nowhere near where it used to be where you were waiting for guys, as I date myself, driving up to Flagstaff a week or two weeks into camp. Yeah, Simeon Rice, who doesn't show up until midway through camp, that sort of thing, no. And look, if we're talking about the anticipation of seeing some of these guys firsthand, B.J. Ojolari has to be right up there. Because, again, of another non-contract situation, he wasn't out on that field. Also, the hamstring Correct. as well in the offseason. So, okay, let's get a look at him. He's going to have every opportunity to compete for playing time off the edge. That is a huge question mark for this team. Once again, everybody now, 18-year, 36 sacks, walked out the door, and J.J. Watt and Zach Allen, where are those coming from? Is, is Jonathan Gannon have to do something he didn't do with the Eagles? Blitz a lot. Going to have to dial it up a lot just to generate some pressure. We don't know yet. What does Zayvon Collins look like? What does B.G. Ojolari look like? What is my Jay Sanders like in year two? There's also some uncertainty as we get ready for that first practice because the Cardinals, as we speak here on Tuesday, do have three open roster spots. There is already an ESPN report that veteran tight end Jess Swaim will be signed eight years in the league the last three seasons with the Titans. And you bring up the Titans, the automatic connection, Drew, is, oh, general manager Monty Austin-Fort, Cardinals, depending on what the status is of Zach Ertz, do need tight end help. Maybe go one and one does equal two. Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense, especially with the transition of going from a spread offense to what they want to do, right? That if you have a jackknife type of a tight end that can play F or Y, uh, that gives you the possibility to move around as a blocker, so do some different things, because they don't really have that guy on the roster, uh, a guy that can kind of do a, a fullback hybrid type of a role and, and be able to catch the ball out of the backfield, do all these stuff, and it's obviously somebody that Monty is very familiar with. So as you go through this transition, I think guys like this, the, you give these last roster spots to as veterans are saying, okay, we need you to come in shape, we need you to earn a roster spot, but you're going to be here. Because that's what these vo- these last couple spots are of these guys of saying, okay, we're going to go out, I'm a guy that comes to mind here in recent years when I was here was Tremont Williams. All of a sudden he showed up and I was like, who's number 37 out here like four days into training camp? And all of a sudden, it's, oh, okay, that's a guy that's going to make this team that's going to help us, and he ended up having a significant role. So these guys that are looking for the right opportunity post-draft, post-OTAs, all of these things, there's strategic signings going on right now, and this is one that would make a ton of sense for both people involved. And I would add maybe defense line, cornerback, wide receiver I mean basically outside of the quarterback position Paul you can make a strong argument for every position group to perhaps be added to at some point no doubt honestly and what about like a Michael Wilson what's he going to look like do you need actually another receiver you have to figure out in camp early offensive line actually I feel the best about behind James Conner what's the running back rotation so there's a lot to be decided and you know what as opposed to the last couple of years, if it comes down to a vet versus a rookie and the final cutdown, I think the rookie wins. I think the young guy, the future wins out versus a team that thinks it just needs to coast through camp and then just go with the roster it brought. No, there's a lot to be decided. Training Camp 2023, powered by Cox, officially begins on Wednesday. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Fourth and three on the 41 of the Rams. 
Three receivers right. Shotgun snap. McCoy drops back to throw a deep ball left side and a one-handed catch by Rondell Moore inside the 20 at the 15. He's out of bounds there. What a dime by Cole McCoy. Incredible grab by Rondell Moore. Oh my goodness, Colt McCoy just dropped a pee into a thimble. McCoy under center takes, give to Connor, off the left side, trying to get the edge, stiff arming at the 10, the 5, dies for the end zone, he's in, it's a touchdown for Connor, his second of the day. The offense has come alive under Colt McCoy here in L.A., and they lead it 23 to 10. Give the ball to an angry man <laughs> with an angry run. About to enter his 14th NFL season. Talking about longtime veteran Colt McCoy. Four games played last season. We all anticipate him playing this season. In fact, starting week one and maybe a handful of games in September, dare I say into October, all depends on Kyler Murray. What's his status? Again, training camp opens on Wednesday. Right now, do not know whether Kyler or Zach Ertz or anyone else might start the training camp on PUP, meaning you can't practice at all, but at any point you can come off PUP very easily. But right now, I think, Paul, we're all eyeing Colt McCoy to be that guy until we see number one at least practice. And there was a lot to like from Colt McCoy last year. I mean, there were a lot of great moments. You love the leadership. You love the experience. I didn't particularly like, like everyone else, the play call on third and short in Denver where he's running it off tackle, and then that was the end of his season effectively. But if you're talking about someone who can come in and really be an example in this offense, he's run a form of this offense before. And so, okay, right out of the gates, um, you know, because there's a lot to learn. It's radically different, quoting Zach Ertz in this very studio during the offseason. His quote was, this offense couldn't be more different than what Cliff ran where we were in the gun all the time. In fact, Drew Stan, I'm going to throw you a question. He said that it was more of a, quote, Kubiak-style offense that they ran in Houston. So not to put you on the spot or anything, I probably should have prefaced this with you, but what exactly does he mean by a Kubiak-style offense that they ran in Houston? Yeah, I mean, that goes all the way back to a Shanahan-style offense, right? That's what you're looking at is a West Coast, get the ball out, you know, hot sights, everything's got a just timing, passing game, zone running scheme, all of this stuff. Because if you look at the history of where all of these guys have come from, Kubiak is the the tree that extension of their uh, of really what has manifested itself from Bill Walsh, right? As far as you're going to see a timing passing game, you're going to see a Christmas to what's going on. You're going to see play action pass, boots, nakeds, all of these things, much like you saw in Minnesota, right? right. So Clint Kubiak was there, the son of Gary Kubiak. All of these things, and you're, it's all the same thing, doing different stuff within that style of a system, right? With Shanahan, some of these guys love the pre-snap motions and shifts that we saw with Shanahan to gain advantage in the run game because it's all about getting. You know, as as we talk about Wolf and make fun of him a lot, gap integrity, right? It is that. It's, it's what you're trying to do is get one guy to peek his head inside, and all of a sudden the offensive lineman gets the angle, and the the back can get outside, you know, and be able to create edges and do all these things. So within that, it is very different than what we saw with Cliff being able to do that. You're going to see under center. You're going to see play action passes. You're going to see them push the ball down the field. Hopefully, you know, it is going to be predicated on the run game because that's what everything starts and finishes with in the NFL 
But how many times, I mean, do we think about Justin Jefferson being wide open on play action passes with deep crossers or coming out of it on deep overs or coming back out of routes? So it really lends you to do a lot of different things. And I think that's what these guys are comfortable with. They want to be able to do it. It's not going to be a true style like Sean McVay style of system because you've got to be able to play into your personnel. But based off of what's going on, the Jeff Swaim type of a signing is good because you need guys that are shifty at tight end that can move around and do different stuff and get up in holes and be able to secure the edge for you. So it doesn't shock me to hear that at all because we're saying, okay, well, where is the identity of this offense truly coming from? And so I think we're getting a better understanding of that, and we will as we see it unfold. Cole McCoy was in this very studio earlier on Tuesday, guest uh, the voice of the Arizona Cardinals, Dave Pash, part of a upcoming episode of the day patch podcast get the latest updates via twitter at patch pod but a lot of subjects discussed including kyler murray and what colt has seen from k1 this offseason kyler is he's the ultimate competitor so i mean i think he's attacking his rehab he wants to be out on the field he's good in meetings you know there are some things that are going to be different like we are going to huddle we are going to call plays in the huddle we're going to use like a lot of different mechanics than what we did last year right I mean just from the very beginning there's a lot of things to learn but Kyler has jumped right in he's he's doing the things that he can do without actually being out there and, and calling the plays and running the plays right but I bet he's out there sooner than later would be my guess now until we do see Kyler out on the field again I'll go back the anticipation or the expectation that's the better word is that Colt is going to be your week one starter he is the veteran in that room he's familiar with a lot of those pass catchers the offensive line in the room yes there are some changes but Colt has seen a lot although he did bring up in this offseason there are certain things that are new to him with what Drew Petzing wants to do but you want that veteran who's seen a lot to be able to help everyone else come together exactly and I think the biggest thing you're going to see that in uh, and we've talked about it in years past is being able to be on the same page with the offensive line and that's in the pass game and in the run game the run game is so imperative especially for a system like this where you've got to make sure that you're getting to the right number call you're getting to different things and there's alerts there's checks there's the can system of those that are really dialed into the NFL uh, films world of can 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 you can run the ball into that look so you're just reaffirming what's going on there's all of these nuances that was not on the plate of Kyler Murray in the past. Yes, his plate was full at times, and he was getting more on it, but it's vastly different of what's going to be asked of him when he gets to the line of scrimmage because of what he's trying to do as far as setting the mic point, as far as changing stuff. Rodney Hudson took a lot off his plate. So it's going to be, again, a lot of time and dedication into that quarterback room, into growing pains that are going to have happen until you're so comfortable. As soon as you break the huddle, you walk up, okay, Mike's 53, okay, you understand the line calls you understand I know right now that this safety is coming down in the box based off of the reduction front that I'm seeing here I've got to check and run away from it so there's all of these things that are going to be much different than the spread offense when you sit there and say okay well there's four guys to my left and there's three to the right pretty simple where do I go hopefully to the right not always the case but sometimes that's the way that it goes as opposed to personnels are going to change you've got to be able to in tune to what's going on with scouting reports and who guys are and down and distance and what's being asked of you because this is another system that you're going to see guys throw underneath the sticks and catch and run the ball's got to come out so there's so many different things and different requirements within what's going to be asked of him 
but he's got all the time in the world to be able to do that. And hopefully he's been really digging into those things with Drew Petzing, with what's going to be on, because the offense and defense have to work in unison with this type of a scheme in order to be able to have success. For Colt specifically, you know him very well, but getting this opportunity, again, the expectation is he's going to be the guy until Kyler is ready. We don't know when Kyler will be ready, but soon to be 37-year-old Colt McCoy, and again, listening to him in the offseason, he he sounded like a youngster, if you will, because there's some new energy within the building, but getting this opportunity late in his career to once again start a football game. Yeah, it reinvigorates you from the standpoint of, of most guys in his shoes and my shoes that, that are just trying to survive and be career backups. When you get these, you relish them. I mean, I remember talking to, to David Blau when he got that opportunity in Detroit early in his career when he left Cleveland when we were together. And you just never know when they're going to come. And so much so you just feel like you're sinking early on in your career that you're just trying to stay afloat and learn the system and now there's becomes this beautiful balance that you can find when you're Colt McCoy because you're secure with who you are you feel comfortable because you've studied so much behind the scenes as far as film study and doing all these things the biggest thing for him is just going to be getting comfortable with the verbiage being required within every play and he's going to do that so you marry that up because as soon as you feel like you're making the right decision mentally physically you've got to be able to go out and execute that so there's that that balance that he can find right now because it doesn't come along very often most of the guys that are starting they work their way into a routine they they know they're the starter they know there's going to be growing pains along the way and they learn on the go backups don't have that luxury you've got to just be able to do that so these reps will be invaluable for him he understands that and you can learn off of the film you can learn from other people you can go back and watch this system from different stuff as it gets involved uh, and you're going to be able to see a very comfortable Colt McCoy much like we saw uh, on the lead-in highlight of going on the road to the Rams and throwing it how many times you're, you're the stat guy straight it was a lot. It was a lot. It was, was, it was like 14 yeah. times. And I, I remember talking with him afterwards, and he was like, we were just trying to tire Aaron Donald out and make him <laughs> not want to pass rush, get the ball out quick. But that was understanding what was required of him within the game plan. And these guys will do a phenomenal job of that. This is this is what's going to be exciting to see week in and week out. It's going to change. It's going to adapt based off of what's required of Colt and the surrounding support system that he'll have until Kyler comes back. And go back to what Colt told us in the media, Paul, about opportunities like this quote don't grow on trees and he's very well aware of what's in front of him and it's up to him to be able to take advantage of that opportunity no doubt it's almost role reversal right Kyler Murray came in he was the man his NFL career number one pick overall he was the starter day one game one now he gets to watch and he gets this and you know what it might actually really be beneficial considering how truly different this system is in this scheme and this philosophy is versus anything he's run in his career Everything he's run from high school to college, Oklahoma, has been more of the spread, hasn't been anything like this. So Kyler, we presume, is going to be forced because of the knee to watch for a while. And how beneficial will that be? Because he never got that chance as a rookie. He's been the man from day one. Yeah, well, and to that point, to, to piggyback off of that, he's always been good enough to get away with it. <laughs> you right. know? He's True. always been, hey, this guy's so dynamic, we're going to make things around him good. Now you don't have that luxury, and as you bring in a new offense, you bring in a new regime of saying, okay, ex, you know, exit the head coach, exit the GM, we're changing this whole thing up. And now, Kyler, you have to fit our mold of what we're looking for. You're not comfortable going under center? Too bad. You're going under center. 
you know what, you're not comfortable pushing the ball down the field on play action and turning your back to the defense because you've never done it, too bad. Get comfortable. All of these things, when you are a franchise quarterback, you also have to adapt. So this is a good opportunity, to your point, if he takes this as a positive, which I know it's been documented throughout the course of that, that he is doing all of these things, and we will hold him to that, he is going to grow leaps and bounds and prolong his career from the standpoint of not just be a runner and, hey, we've got to get eight rushes for Kyler Murray and we're going to win the game 80% of the time. Those days are going out of the window because you're seeing these guys that have the mobility not have the longevity, and you need longevity when you're paying somebody that much money. And for everyone who says, oh, geez, you know, the Cardinals might be 2-7 and seven when Kyler Murray comes back, just sit them the rest of the year. No! The regular season real game reps are way too valuable, and guess what? The decision makers need to see him in action. There's new eyes, and there's new people in those positions of power. They want to see him running this offense with this personnel group, namely minus D-Hop. Remember what Rod Fredrickson said? He said, you know what? This might be beneficial to Kyler Murray not having D-Hop because he's not forcing balls to D-Hop all the time. He's not immediately looking at D-Hop. He's not hearing D-Hop on the sideline chirp for more targets. So maybe just maybe he'll run the offense and just find the open guy and go through his reads and progressions. I, I wouldn't mind hearing D-Hop chirp at me, so <laughs> I'll deal with that. And you know what? He's also got a really good rapport with uh, Hollywood Brown, so you know he's still got a go-to guy that he's comfortable with. Hear more from Colt McCoy about Colt McCoy and Kyler Murray and the rest of the Arizona Cardinals. Again, it's episode 59 of the Day Pash podcast featuring Colts coming soon via your preferred podcast provider. Get the latest updates via Twitter at HashPod. We have hit halftime here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. When we come back, we'll switch it. Defense. We mentioned the signing of B.J. Ojolari. Much needed when you talk about where is the pass rush going to come from with this Cardinals team. That's straight ahead. Craig Rayalu, Paul Calvisi, and Drew Stanton here on a Tuesday, the day before the first practice of training camp powered by Cox. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. With the 41st pick in the 2023 draft, the Arizona Cardinals select B.J. Ojolari, linebacker, LSU. I love what Ojolari can do in the pass and run game. Uh, I think he's a very natural pass rusher. You can see his bend coming off the edge with speed. He can beat you with speed. He's very fluid and natural with his counter rushes. And then on top of that, he can stick a long arm in there and work moves off his long arm. So as far as his rush ability, very versatile, very natural. And then I love the tools that he has in the run game. What B.J. Ojolari did at LSU, yes, very impressive. What can he do, though, now at the next level with the Arizona Cardinals? We have yet to see B.J. on the football field, as we talked earlier here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report, presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. One, Ojolari is signed, under contract, signing that rookie contract. And two, he was present but did not do anything on the football field because in the words of head coach Jonathan Gannon he was nicked up now he did have a hamstring issue during the pre-draft process was that something that flared up again or is it something different how healthy is Ojolari will we see him this week on Wednesday for that first practice another one of those question marks but again as we talked about you have to be able to affect the opposing quarterback Drew you know it very very well I don't care how good of a quarterback you are. If there is someone that can get back into that backfield real quick, 
yeah, that's going to affect you a lot. And right now, Cardinals have a question mark, a lot of question marks as far as who's that guy going to be to get into the backfield. Yeah, well, and I think Paul alluded to it earlier. Do you have to start bringing pressure? Do you have to be able to do that and manufacture it that way, which, again, has not been the identity of this defense, of Jonathan Gannon, is to be able to get that. So, you know, you heard the lead-in with Monty, and he was very excited about the pass rush capability. So you need guys to be able to put the pressure on the quarterback because it doesn't matter how good you are on that back end. If the quarterback can sit back there and feel comfortable and not get hit and stay clean and do all those things, it's going to be a long, long day. Uh, it's going to be a long season because you've got to be able to find ways to manufacture that and get pressure. And, and if you don't have to do that and you feel good about just sending four, that's really where you saw that Philadelphia defense shine was because they had multiple guys with over 10 sacks because everybody's contributing, and then you can't just slide the line one way or do anything here. So, again, it, it's something that we've talked about with injuries in the past of trying to find a, a motor with these guys as a collective whole, but you need some star studded power to go out there and be able to get after the quarterback on third down. I'm very curious on what Ojolari is capable of doing right out of the gate because there is a need. You do have numbers in that room, Paul. We just don't know. Yes, they're talented, but how good are they as far as beating that offensive lineman, getting off the line of scrimmage and doing something to that quarterback. I mean, his his skill set, his tools uh, are elite. They really are. He was first team All SEC. In his career, he was second only to Will Anderson over a three year span in quarterback pressures. He was a team captain. Uh, they gave him 18, which is hallowed ground in the LSU program. He'll wear that for the Cardinals. He has everything you need. I love. I just love the verbiage and vernacular that goes along with edge rushers, right? Like the edge bendy and the long arm stab and the speed to power and all that kind of stuff. I just love it when guys, the talent evaluators, talk about the edge guys. Well, B.J. Ojolari has all that. Plus, he supposedly has a really high motor. There are two reasons why he fell into the second round. Otherwise, he would have been a first-rounder, supposedly, according to a lot of the scouts. Number one, the hamstring injury, okay. It kind of curtailed some of his workouts and, according to him, some of his performances and numbers. And then, number two, how stout is he against the run? That was the other knock on him, potentially. So, we'll see. We'll see if he's able to really set that edge and not be a liability against the straight-ahead run game. Let's hear from the Cardinals' second-round pick on what he hopes to do in the National Football League. Keeping my head down, work, uh, retain as much knowledge as possible, uh, you know, lean on my teammates and, and the older guys, uh, but hone in on my craft, hone in on my technique. is a job now, and I have to be accountable and be the best at, at all times. Ojolari was the 41st overall pick back in April, general manager Monty Ossenfort making that selection on day two, the general manager on why he chose the edge rusher out of LSU. BJ's, you know, he's, he's really, he's got three down ability. He's, he's not the tallest guy, but he's got length. He uses his length. He's got a good feel. He's got good get off off the edge. He can bend, he can turn the corner. You know, he brings some juice out there on the edge and, and, and he's got a nonstop motor. You know, another guy that just the makeup, the football character, the football talent on the field, it all added up for us. And it's sometimes said as an edge rusher, especially a young one, Drew, that you can come in and make an impact right away if you just tell that guy, straight line. However you need to do it, get after that quarterback. And we've seen, whether it was Avon Collins or Cameron Thomas or my Jay Sanders, there has been a lot of work with the healthy edge rushers with outside linebackers coach Robert Rodriguez one-on-one -on -one in the classroom 
up in Rodriguez's office as far as teaching these guys because they're so young or was even new to the position on what this coaching staff expects out of their edge rushers. Yeah, well, you got to be able to work in unison. You've got to be able to set moves up. And again, if you have one sack a game, that's Hall of Fame numbers, right? So if you're thinking about that, how you can affect it, especially on third down, getting comfortable, having a package for these younger guys to make sure that they feel good or they don't have to think. They can go out and just be the athletes they were drafted to be. If you can find that value in the second round, it's huge. It's everything. And yes, he he has a deficiency, uh, what has been alluded to as not being stout in the run game. Okay, well then you're smart on how you use him, you keep him fresh, you get him comfortable, and you grow and you build and, and you let him continue to mature. He's a young man that's only 22 years old. He's going to grow into his body. He's going to get bigger. He's going to get stronger and put him in successful positions so that he can go out there and he can, you know, they come in bunches. They're, they're allowed to do stuff like that. And everything that Monty talked about of his bend, his long arm, and all of those things, those things matter. And you've got to be able to get after the quarterback. And so, you know, I'd love reading between the lines and hearing guys like this talk and the way that he talks, the way he asserts himself, his confidence, all of these things, there, there's not an arrogance to it. There's a confidence to it. And I think that comes with where he played college football and being able to get out there and have success and being able to do it in the SEC. A lot of these guys are very ready to come in and contribute right away. And so this is a guy that's going to be dependent on. There's a lot to ex- of expectations for him to come in and create some havoc and, and, start piling up numbers because he was a second-round pick and they need production. He had some really good games against some really good tackles who went in the first two rounds of this year's draft. So he does have that track record. Here's the other thing. If he can play, I think he will play right away, unlike the previous staff, unlike last year, where my Jay Sanders and Cam Thomas sat too long, too long behind an unproductive Marcus Golden, for example. And then when they did get their reps, man, they got their name called a lot by Passion Wolf over the course of those games. Maybe didn't show up completely in the box score, but they were difference makers. And so I think if B.J. Ojolari and some of these other young guys can come in and they can be that guy, this staff, very young staff, very young defensive coordinator, I, you know, especially if you're thinking, okay, 2023 is about setting up 2024, I expect these guys to get a lot of reps. Well, how much improvement do you see from year one to year two with the Cameron Thomas and Amai J. Sanders? It's cliche. It's said year in and year out. That's your biggest jump. I'm expecting a lot more from those two guys, especially considering J.J. Watt's gone. Zach Allen is gone. And those are your top two pass rushers from a year ago. Dennis Gardeck, really hungry. Looked good, says he feels really good. Finally recovered from the knee injury. And then Zayvon Collins. If players know players, a number of guys have said Zayvon Collins is going to get traction immediately as an edge guy, as an outside linebacker. So look out. He's got everything you need to really make a difference. So there's a lot of names, a lot of talent, but who's going to step up and be that productive guy off the edge? Because if there's one thing the Cardinals really need to figure out by the end of camp, it's who's getting after the quarterback. It is the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Your ticket to great seats here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Shotgun takes the snap, drops back to pass, looks right, throws right, more caught at 30, turns right, 25-20, four breaks a tackle to the 10, to the 5, touchdown! 
There's the explosive play from Rondale Moore we have been waiting for. Shotgun formation, snap to Murray, quick throw left side. It's caught at the one and into the end zone for the touchdown is Greg Dortz. Murray in an empty set in shotgun, takes the snap, three-step drop, looks over the middle, throws, and it's caught by Brown, first down, makes a man miss at the 15, cuts right to the 10, and Brown is into the end zone for the touchdown. Hollywood Brown has been spectacular. What an incredible play by Hollywood Brown. Hollywood Brown, Rondell Moore, Greg Dortch, your top three returning receivers here in 2023. Will they be your top three receivers entering this regular season in about, what, six, seven weeks' time? And, again, we talk about the number of questions on this team, regardless of what side of the ball, but I'm curious. We know Hollywood Brown in a contract year. Rondell Moore, can he stay healthy? Greg Dortch. Can he get that opportunity like he has excelled at when he does get the opportunity? Or do we see some of these new faces, Paul? Zach Paschal, one of those free agent signings, the draft pick, Michael Wilson, an undrafted prospect, and a Brian Cobbs or Daniel Arias. Wide receiver, you lose a DeAndre Hopkins, you're not going to replace that level of talent, so you got to find someone to replace the production on the field. You know, Hollywood Brown was the number one receiver the first six games of last year, obviously, with the suspension to D-Hop. They never played together never got that chance which was unbelievable just one of those things that really marked last year and remember when he went down in week six at Seattle Hollywood Brown with a foot injury right don't throw that ball he's covered by Tariq Woolen and he goes down in a massive humanity and he was never quite the same the rest of the season he missed a number of games but at that point he was top seven in the NFL in both catches and receiving yards Rondale Moore you know, if you want to go Keyshawn Johnson with his own book, it would be throw me the dang ball downfield. He wants to be able to show that he has a full route tree, that he is actually a polished, accomplished receiver. He can catch the ball beyond the line of scrimmage. Okay. And then once a, and on occasion when we did see it and he did get separation, man, he's able to finish. He, you know, the catch, the run after the catch is there for Rondell Moore. So, all right, guess what? Um, there's no more D-hop that's going to get 14 targets a game. Let's see who's productive. Yeah, spread the ball around, provided you get open as a wide receiver. And I think a lot of people are going to be focused on the top two. Hollywood and Rondell, it's a contract year. And then, again, with Rondell Moore, he's only played 22 of 34 games over the last two seasons. When healthy, Drew, he's been electric. The question is, or the problem has been, he's just not been available. Yeah, well, and that was what everybody was looking for, that big jump last year, as you talked about, right? Is it going from year one to year two? And you heard Sean Jefferson talk about, okay, well, now he's comfortable running every route. And I was like, well, he's a second-round pick. He should have been comfortable running every route right from the get-go. Uh, you know, when you, when you draft somebody that high, again, and you saw the capability of what he had. You saw the potential of what he had at Purdue or flashes. But a guy, you know, that really comes to mind was Greg Dorch from the standpoint of the game never seemed too big for him. He, he had a confidence. He had an air about him when he was out there and making plays and very comfortable. Does this system lend to what he can do, though, right? Is he going to be just a slot guy? Is he going to be doing this? And, again, you get an offseason, and sometimes when you get marked as a guy that, that gets, you know, at the top of the depth chart, you've got to be able to go out there and produce day in and day out at training camp. And, and you when you change the guard, all of a sudden there is a draft pick, and, the, you know, and 
Michael Wilson being able to do that and being able to really give you an opportunity of saying, okay, well, I know eventually this guy's coming for my spot. Before, now you're the rabbit. You're getting chased. So Greg Dortch, Rondell Moore, before when you were the high draft pick or just trying to get back on the field, it's a whole different mindset. Yes, we know who Hollywood Brown is going to be and the production he's going to bring to the table. It could look vastly different based off what this scheme is going to be because they want to run the ball, they want to protect the football and do all of these things. So it creates this opportunity for these bigger guys that are going to have to block, right? There, there is a two-way streak within this system now of saying, okay, it's not just a quick pass game that's going to become an extension of a run game. You've got to block, and you've got to block safeties. You've got to come down, and you've got to crack safeties. You've got to hold your one-on-one blocks on the edge with guys. You're going to be able to have to block, you know, get in line and try and hold off backers or do different stuff. And that's why you're seeing some of those bigger guys up front with the capability of doing that, and there is a much greater need within this system for guys to be able to go block within the box and be able to do that within the hashes. Had a chance to catch up with someone who knows the wide receiver position very, very well. Cardinals Ring of Honor member Roy Green on an upcoming episode of Cardinals Cover 2. But had Roy in to talk about training camp, the wide receiver position, but specifically with Michael Wilson, your third-round draft pick, and the expectations for him. What would Roy tell the veteran, Roy Green, tell the youngster, Michael Wilson, heading into his first camp? You got to do what you're supposed to do. Discipline is to do what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it, whether you want to or not. That you got to put your head in there. You're not accustomed to it. Put your head in there, you know. Uh, and you got to make some plays. Some coach sees you every other day, sees, oh, that guy just made another play. Whoa, that guy made another play. I've I've seen him a lot, and that's how you make a football team for a rookie, uh, an opportunity to get yourself another opportunity. No rookie, Paul, outside of Paris Johnson Jr. was talked more about glowingly by his coaches, his teammates, specifically defensive teammates. Michael Wilson received a lot of praise in the offseason. Now you're getting into where you're starting to play real football. The intensity ramps up. It becomes a lot more physical. Can you continue that upward trend and be an impact player year one? You know, I had him on a big red rage talking with him. He said he's been required to learn every position right from the get-go, not just the X, not just the outside receiver. I joked with him. I said, well, of course the expectations are high. You got that Stanford education. You know, they're going to pile it on. So he's he, towards the end, he said he really started playing instead of thinking. He made his share of mental mistakes. But to Roy's point, and I think this is going to be emphasized across the board, the entire roster, attention to detail. We've seen it. What JG calls, quote, winning behavior. And there wasn't enough of that the last few years. When you lead the league in pre-snap penalties – that can't happen. Not with a roster that's not going to be as talented as other teams are going to play this year. So little things are big things in the NFL, and those little things can cost you games. And I think that's the attention to detail that will be stressed in this training camp, and I think that's the objective of this staff and Jonathan Gannon to make that an integral part of the culture going forward. It sounds like, Drew, that everyone's going to be given an equal opportunity, and then to Paul's point, if you are making those mental mistakes, it doesn't matter how much you make, how long you've been in the league. If there is someone behind you that can do it better because they know what they're supposed to do and they're not making mistakes that puts you behind the sticks or it's costing you 15 yards because of a penalty, 
we might see a much different Cardinals team as far as names on the back of the jersey. Yeah, well, I think the big thing is don't make the same mistake twice. Mistakes are going to be made. You want guys to make mistakes. That's how you learn. You have to correct those errors. Just don't let those errors keep coming up over and over and over again. Make mistakes. Learn from those mistakes. But you have to learn fast. You have to know your job. There can't be any hesitation with what's going on. You have to be prepared for that opportunity comes because you never know when it's going to come. But in saying that, don't make the same mistake twice because when you do that, you're showing that either you can't learn it or B, you don't care enough to learn it. And those are two really bad things because that resume that we talk about all the time, that tape that you put out there, there's guys sitting in a room watching every single practice. They're watching your body language. They're out at practice. They're doing all these things. You are constantly being evaluated every time that you are in this training camp for every single minute because this is a competitive atmosphere now. They are looking for ways to get rid of people. They don't want to keep guys around. They want fresh blood in here. And don't give them an opportunity again to say okay well you know my hamstring's a little tight i'm gonna sit out today no you've got to go you've got to show there i remember when i first got to detroit they started talking about wally pip you know back in the day with with rod marinelli he would always play the clip of wally pip and be like ah you know what my hamstring's a little tight i can't go today okay well we all know what happened to wally pip and you never might get that job back because they are looking for guys that are going to be all into what's going on here so those mistakes have to be extremely limited and it is a daily grind of waking up with a concerted mindset that i'm going to put my best foot forward coaches need to trust you especially if you're a rookie got to earn that trust can't have those mental mistakes can't have same mistake twice because remember the the two-word phrase i'm using going into this no allegiances bill belichick has no days off no allegiances from Monty Osborne and Jonathan Gannon. They're looking for the future. They don't care about what is or what was. They want to know who's going to be part of the solution going forward. Good to have Drew Stanton back in the fold, and I'm going to congratulate myself for getting through an entire episode of the Cardinals Red Sea Report having to stare at a mustached-faced Paul Calvisi. The question is, you reported to camp with it. Does it stay during camp? Nothing says cards camp like a really bad mustache and the return of Drew Stan from his summer sabbatical. Welcome, training camp powered by Cox. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. 15-10-5, touchdown, Zach Ertz. Buda Baker with the sack, stripped the ball. Murray's going to score, touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown, Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.